Hi, Pastor Thomas here, and I wanted to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you so much for tuning into our messages here at Conway Baptist Church. Sometimes it's hard to thank God, but God asks us to do it anyways. Still, He doesn't ask us to do this without reason. Our God is a good God and is working all things together for the good of those who love Him. Our prayer is that this message impacts your life. If it does, let us know by going to conwaybaptistchurch.com and click the Connect tab and email us to let us know how God used this message to influence you. Well, good evening. So, when I was putting together this Thanksgiving message for us tonight, I was looking online for some Thanksgiving material, and I came across goodhousekeeping.com which had an article called 30 Best Thanksgiving Trivia Facts to Impress Your Friends This Holiday. It was actually like the first thing that came up, and I clicked on it, okay? We're going to go through five of them, not 30, okay? Not 30 facts. You guys can write them down, and you can take them home with you, and you can impress your friends with these facts. Now, here's, here's a first fact about Thanksgiving. The first Thanksgiving was a three-day affair. Did you know that? So in 1621, the settlers, their first corn harvest proved so successful, Governor William Bradford reportedly invited the Plymouth colonists, Native Americans, the allies, to enjoy the fruit of their labors together. The members of the Wampanoag tribe came bearing food to share. They had so much bounty, the revelers decided to extend the affair. So three days. That's sort of what it becomes anyways in America, right? Uh, you, eat, you eat Thanksgiving the first day, and then you keep eating it three days later. That's just how it is, Okay. Okay, second fact, second fact. Colonists and Native Americans may not have had turkey at the feast. Uh-oh. Oh, that stinks, doesn't it? No one can say for sure if it was even on the menu, okay? Third fact, third fact. The first Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. By the way, who's excited for the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? Like one person. Okay, great. My, my family, we, we've watched it, if, you know, if you don't sleep in too late. which Okay, so... The first Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade didn't feature any balloons. Didn't feature any balloons. That's interesting. That's like a staple of the parade, isn't it? Okay, next fact. Fact number four. Americans prepare 46 million turkeys for Thanksgiving each year. That's a lot of turkey. You really feel lucky if you're one of those two turkeys that gets pardoned, okay? This is like, this is your year. Then you live a fruitful life, okay? Fact number five, most Americans prefer Thanksgiving leftovers to actual meal. Now, just be honest. Raise your hand if that's you, if you prefer the leftovers. Look, my hand is up. I would rather have a turkey sandwich with, like, mayo and tomatoes and good, good slices of bread. Oh, man, that's Thanksgiving, okay? And that's exactly why the Native Americans and the, and the uh, settlers extended it, because they wanted the sandwiches. That's exactly, it's a historical fact, Okay. So we have a lot to be thankful for as believers in Jesus Christ, don't we? More than just on Thanksgiving. In fact, every single day of our life should be a thanksgiving. We should be thanking God and giving thanks because he is who he is in our lives. Do you want to know God's will for you? Did you know it's God's will for you to be thankful? It's what God wants for you. Sometimes we don't understand why we go through the things we go through, and we go through a lot of hard things sometimes. But did you know that in every situation, no matter what the circumstance, God still wants you to be thankful even in it? Here's the main idea of what I want to talk about today, is that you can be thankful 
even in the hardest circumstances. So it's really easy, and it doesn't set you apart from the world if you're thankful in everyday circumstances for something good happening in your life. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, what's going to set you apart from the rest of the world is that no one's going to steal your joy no matter how hard it gets. That's going to be the test. Are you thankful? And in in Christ, you can be thankful no matter how hard the circumstance. And this is the truth of it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18 says this. It's a very short verse. Rejoice always. Hey, I want you guys to say rejoice always on the count of three. One, two, three. You just memorized a Bible verse. That is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. So don't tell me you can't memorize scripture. Okay, there it is right there. So rejoice always. Second verse. Pray continually. Pretty easy to memorize as well. Verse 18, it's a little longer. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God wants you to rejoice always, not just sometimes. There's never an inappropriate time for you to have joy. There's inappropriate times for you to be happy. I don't want you to be happy at your mother's funeral. That's kind of inappropriate, isn't it? But the fact that you're able to maintain joy in the midst of tragedy, even even in hard times, is a testimony that no one can steal your joy in Christ and that Jesus Christ lives in you. So rejoice always. Pray continually. Your eyes are not on you. Your eyes are on God Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, this is hard, isn't it? There's a funny story behind verse 18, giving thanks in all circumstances. It's a story that's actually kind of sad, but it's very powerful, and I hope you guys enjoy it. I don't know if you've ever heard of Corey Ten Boom. She hid Jews in her house with her family during the Holocaust, and she saved them. She herself wasn't Jewish, but... As a believer in Jesus Christ, she thought it was her duty to protect the innocent people, and so that's what she did. Eventually, she gets caught, and she gets thrown into a concentration camp with her and her sister. Now, the craziest thing is this. On the way into the concentration camp, they miraculously get a Bible smuggled in there. Now, this isn't just some small feat. I mean, they strip you down naked when you're going into these camps. They make you into nothing. So to get a Bible in there is, is not a small thing. So they, they're able to smuggle a Bible into this concentration camp. And with this Bible, like we're doing tonight, but in a way worse setting, different denominations were able to come together and gather around the scripture as they did Bible studies in the women's bunk together. Didn't matter what denomination they were in, they were doing Bible study together. It was powerful. And you know what happened? The guards never messed with them. For some reason, they never came in. They were always able to worship freely in their bunks. Well, Corey and Betsy were praying one evening, and, or one day, I don't know, whether it was in the evening or in the morning. And they were praying, and they were reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. They, you know, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And Betsy, Corey's sister, started thanking God for different things, and Corey was thanking along with her. And so, you know, Betsy would pray, we need to thank God for the ceiling, the roof over our head. So this is a terrible circumstance they're in. They're in, the, they're in a concentration camp. God, thank you for the roof over my head. Wow, talk about a testimony of giving thanks in all circumstances, okay? 
you know, they started thanking God just for things around the bunk. And then finally, Betsy comes across something that Corey just couldn't do. Betsy says, and God, thank you for the fleas. And then Corey says, Corey Tim Boone, she says, whoa, okay, I'll thank God for these other things, but I am not going to thank God for the fleas. And Betsy pointed back to the scripture and said, the Bible says to give thanks in all circumstances and all things. Corey felt compelled to say, okay, fine, you know, thank you, God, for the fleas, okay? Now, it does say give thanks in all circumstances. I'm not going to say you should go out and thank God for the infestation in your house necessarily, okay? But she felt it was a simple act of obedience, so she said, thank you, God, for the fleas. And she gave thanks for this thing as well. So they started thanking for the fleas, which is an odd thing to do. Well, later on, Betsy was working uh, in the concentration camp, and a soldier was making fun of her. And she started to just laugh along, and instead of resisting the joke, she just, I guess she started making fun of herself as well, okay? The soldier didn't like this. The soldier, the Nazi soldier, came up to her and started beating her, and he beat her so severely that she couldn't do yard work anymore. She was put on sock duty in the barracks. And one day, she had a question about the socks that she was, she was working on. And so she called the soldier over and said, hey, come over here. But the soldier wouldn't go past the doorpost. And she said, why aren't you going past the doorpost? And when she found the answer, she goes to Corey and she says, hey, Corey, guess what? And Corey says, okay, what, what, Betsy? The soldier wouldn't come in the barracks. Do you want to know why the soldier wouldn't come in the barracks? Because of the fleas. Thank God for the fleas. This is why they were able to worship freely. They had these pests all around them. They didn't like it. They didn't understand why they were going through what they were going through. But God had a purpose even for the smallest things there, the most annoying thing there. God had a purpose for them so that they could worship freely without the interference of these guards. And sometimes we don't know why God lets us go through the things we go through. We don't understand why the hurt and pain is here, but in all circumstances, we know he's good. And because he's good, we can give thanks. Because in the end, we know all things, according to the scripture, all things work together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Do you love God? If the answer in your heart is yes, then thank God for the fleas. God's got a plan for you. You might be going through some hard stuff right now, but it's okay. You can be joyful in that circumstance. You can be thankful in all situations. And did you know that this is God's will for you? This is what God wants for you. You become a powerful testimony. Thank God for the fleas. You can be thankful even in the hardest circumstances. This is hard though, isn't it? When you can't see two feet in front of you and you have to trust the God of the universe. You don't see your future, but you know who holds it, which is God, but it still doesn't make it easy, does it? Well, you have to trust that God is able to manage the universe justly, that he is good. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is a verse that my wife and I, we go to regularly. I call it my life verse, okay? It's a verse that I've adopted for my life. And it goes something like this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. There's three words in this verse that you need to pay attention to that, that is your responsibility. Trust, lean not, and acknowledge. Now, trusting God is what God's asking you to do, even when there's fleas in your life. 
when it's hard, and he's asking you to pray continually, to give thanks in all circumstances, to always be joyful. But he says, you know what? You need to trust that I'm good. That I'm going to work it out for you. Trust in the Lord, not just with some of your heart, but with all of your heart. It might be hard. And you might want to so bad. You might want to lean on your own understanding and say, well, you know, it's never worked for me in the past. God's not going to be able to do it now. Put your faith in the God of the universe. He's so much stronger than you and your doubts. Lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And you might not understand how he's doing it, but those are just fleas in your life. You might say, why is this happening to me? Understand that he will direct your paths. It's in the word of God. But you've got to trust him. So thank God for the fleas and trust God when it's hard. And finally, and finally, this is what I want to also talk about right now is don't ever stop living by faith. Thank God for the fleas. Trust God when it's hard. Don't lean on your own understanding. He will make your path straight. But don't ever stop living by faith. This is the heart of the gospel, isn't it? It's not what you can do and what your hands can bring. It's what God can do and what his hands have brought in Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be right with God? Could you answer that question? What does it mean to be righteous before God? Could you ever do enough to meet the standard of Christ? The answer is absolutely not. You will never meet the standard of Christ. You will never meet God's standard. He requires perfection. And you could never be right with God because you could never be perfectly righteous before God. And so in the gospel where Jesus dies on the cross for your sins and is raised for your life, he offers you something even better. Better than a righteousness that you have to work towards, he gives you righteousness as a free gift. Romans 1 chapter 16 says this. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God to salvation. Not your works, not your words, not, not your trophies, not the good things that you have done, but the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he lived the life that you could never live. That he died the death that you deserve to die. And that on the cross, he paid for your sins and he rose for your life so that if you would trust in him, he would bring resurrection into your heart as well. And he would guarantee resurrection on the last day for us, a hope that will never fade or spoil. Sounds pretty good. And he offers it to you if you turn to him by faith. If you give him your sins, don't hold on to them, but say, God, I put them on the cross. It's not something you can do to get. So how can you be right with God? Well, you can't be right with God by doing. You can only be right with God by believing that Jesus can make you right with God. And so we preach a righteousness that comes by faith. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation for everyone who believes, not who works, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Verse 17 says this, For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is from faith, from first to last. Now that's the NIV. But if you look at the actual Greek, the idea is from faith to faith. It starts with faith, it ends with faith. The gospel of Jesus Christ and trusting it and the righteousness of God that's been revealed is not something you can go out and get. It's a gift that you're given and you can only receive it by trusting in Jesus. So are you trying or are you trusting? 
If you're trying, you will never be able to be good enough to get into heaven. But if you are trusting, you can know that the God of the universe is powerful enough to get to you. And he will give you a gift righteousness. And so we don't say, okay, I'm ashamed of this gospel. We, we proclaim it boldly because we know it's the power of God to salvation. Not my works, not my words, but the gospel of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation. The gospel of righteousness of God is revealed in Christ. A righteousness that is by faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And I want you to notice this. We read this sometimes. We think, okay, yeah, I accepted Christ years and years ago. Here's what the verse says. The righteous will live by faith. It doesn't say the righteous once lived by faith a long time ago. It's a continual walk with God where you are trusting in Jesus for your salvation forever. He is sufficient, not you, not your works. Why do we get into heaven? Because we're good enough? No, because he's good enough. Did you know that you are saved by works? Just not your works, his work. None of your works are good enough to save you. You're not saved by your works. You're saved by the work of Christ on the cross. So we live by faith. We live vertically. We look up to God and we trust him for our salvation. And now we become, because we're trusting him for our salvation, we become children of promise. We become children of promise. Are you a child of the promise or are you a child of works? Do you trust in tradition and law or do you trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ? If you trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, you might have some fleas in your life, but God has plans for those fleas. He knows exactly what he's doing and he has you right where he wants you. And you can be a missionary right where God has planted you. So we live by faith in the promise of God. We are children of the promise. And this promise guarantees a hope, and this hope is future-looking. It's a hope where we don't have to worry about these bodies of sin anymore, where the, the aches and the pains that we go through will be eradicated in a new body. Because Jesus paid it all, it's a guarantee for eternal life. And because we have this hope and this faith, God credits us with righteousness. And it's a credit. It's not something you earn. It's something he gives you. And he reckons it to your account. So if I'm guaranteed heaven, why am I still here? Why am I still here? If I'm guaranteed heaven, why am I still here? Why aren't there scorch marks all around the room and in the ceiling for when I accepted Christ, I just get zapped up to heaven? Why? Why am I still here? I'll tell you why you're still here. To be on mission for Jesus Christ. Because God has chosen the church, you, the body of Christ, to show Christ to the rest of the world as changed vessels. Are you changed? If nothing changed, nothing changed. You say, God changed me, but has something changed in your life? You can't come into contact with someone as big and as powerful as God and not show it. So heaven's our hope. The resurrection's our hope, but we're still here because we're supposed to be on mission. We're supposed to be his hands and his feet. And so he says, yes, I guaranteed you heaven, but while you're here, I want you to be on mission. In fact, this is just reasonable for us. He gives us a free gift of salvation, but he says, here, you're going to be here as my testimony. And so Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, what you've been given. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual or true and reasonable act of worship. What's genuine worship? It's not coming to church every Sunday. That is genuine worship, so that's a part of it. It's not just coming to church every Sunday. It's being broken bread and poured out wine for Jesus Christ. 
we take the communion and we say this is his body broken for us. Well, when we take it, do we take it worthily or unworthily? Are we living like Christ lived on this earth? His mission in such a way that when people see us, they see Jesus. This is how Paul lived in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. He says this, you know, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He said, you know, it's far better. He was in prison when he wrote this, by the way, in his first Roman imprisonment. He says, for me, it's far better if I went to be with God in heaven, but it's better for you that I stay. It's better for you. And so I'm confident, he says, that I will stay for you. But here's his attitude in the midst of it. Regardless of whether he stays or he goes, to live is all about Christ and to die is gain for him. Some of you in here, you're afraid of death. But if you're a genuine believer in Jesus Christ, it is not something to be afraid of. It's actually a doorway into the presence of the God who loves you. If you've gone through hardships in your life, it's actually something the Christian looks forward to. To die is gain, he says. But as long as I'm here, to live is Christ. Is that how you see your life? I can't wait for the hope that God has promised me from the cross. But as long as I'm here, because of this hope that he's given me, I'm going to be on fire for Jesus. How could I not? Why aren't there scorch marks in the ceiling? Why are you still here? Because God's mission for you here is bigger than your screw-ups. It's bigger than your mess-ups. It's bigger than the pain that you're going to go through, that you're going through. Because God has put you on this planet and kept you here to be a testimony. Through the church, he's going to show himself through you. Is he showing through you? There's two things you can't do in heaven. You can't sin, and you can't lead people to Jesus. So it stands to reason, the reason that you're still here is bigger than your screw-ups. That God can use you. He knew exactly what he was getting himself into when he saved you, and he left you here for a little while to do his mission. And he's asking you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. To live as Christ. You're here because God has placed you here. And so finally tonight, I want you to see this. We become powerful testimonies of the work of God when we don't stop living by faith. We continually say, no, 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 I trust in God and his gospel. He's the reason I'm saved because of his hands, because of his work. He's my provider. When we trust in God, when it's hard, people see us, and it's a living testimony to them that Jesus Christ is there in their midst through you and me. We become a living testimony when we thank God for the fleas. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Thank God for the fleas. Trust God when it's hard. And don't stop living by faith. Don't stop living by faith. This is what's going to lead people to Jesus. They want what you have. Do they want what you have? Be thankful even when it's hard. Let's pray. God of the universe, we are so grateful to be able to come here today and to give you thanks for what you've done through the cross. Lord, we love you. We know that while we were sinners, you died for us. 
We weren't good people. We were bad. We were dead in our transgressions and sins, and you saved us. You worked. Lord, thank you. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're in here today, and you haven't really given your heart to Jesus. You're having a hard time sharing Jesus because you don't have Jesus living in you. You have not put your faith in him for real. You know about God from a distance, but you don't know him up close and personal. You know him like you know Michael Jordan. You can name the stats. You've been to church your whole life. Maybe you went to Sunday school or vacation Bible school. And you memorized some Bible verses. But that's not the same thing as knowing a person. God wants to know you like you know your father, your mother, your closest friend, and he's asking you to come to receive the invitation of salvation and to put your faith in him right now. If that's you, I want to invite you to say a simple prayer of surrender, saying, God, I'm sorry for my sins. I want to be saved. I want to live by faith from this day forward. If you do that, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Is that something that God is calling you to do? If it is, let him know in this simple prayer of surrender. Say this prayer with me and mean it. Is that you? Say this with me if that's you. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died for my sins. Forgive my sins. I'm sorry. Be my Savior, be my Lord, and be my friend. I will follow you from this day forward as your disciple. And I ask you, raise my heart to life. I believe in you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Did this message draw you closer to God? Or did you pray to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior today? We want to hear about it. Let us know by going to conwaybaptistchurch.com, click the connect tab, and send us an email telling us about what God did in your life through this message. Thank you for joining us for this message from Conway Baptist Church, North Carolina.